The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here he is, Brandon. Next up on the Brandon Peters Show, we conclude our 60th anniversary of Doctor Who specials with the third part in which Brandon Peters and Russell McGee discuss the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th, and 13th Doctor's eras and their favorite shows within them. make your dream come true forever but i can make it come true today so we will go to we'll pass by the eighth doctor no 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 oh no okay no no what do you got i have stories for eight okay you tell us your stories for eight i i have of course i didn't i did not go with the tv movie i'm sorry but like i i for me, that uh, the writing's not where it needs to be, and I don't even blame Matthew Jacobs on that. Okay. I think with the the cuts and the thing that we were talking about earlier, as far as also the rights between BBC, mm-hmm. Universal, and Fox, I think gotcha. something got lost in translation, and as a result, we we just were missing elements. It's kind of like what you were just talking about with the work print. Um, the work print of the mm-hmm. TV movie is actually better than I think the the one that we've all seen um, properly as far as released. Um, but no, my my number one for the, for the Eighth Doctor is Night of the Doctor, and we okay. get the Sisterhood of Karn back, and this is also gives us the backstory of how he regenerates into into the War Doctor and. Frankly, it was just nice to see Paul McGann on screen again and have closure there. True. Um, so it was it was a nice little send off, and uh, and then since we don't have much for eight as far as otherwise, I actually did dive into some of the audio stories here. So I picked out um, two other there. So I I don't know where you're at. Brandon, yes, no. Do you have any here or no? Okay. Uh, the two others, and I, I would even recommend to you, my friend. All right. It is we got Sword of Orion, which is a Eighth Doctor and Charlie. It's one of the early ones, and it's set on a remote ship that's been junked. And um, Again, it's a Cyberman story, but like mm. it's a really creepy Cyberman story um, and just a really solid uh, piece that uh, has been developed as far as audio. And then uh, the last one that I have, my third choice here is is a fan favorite that um, Robert Shearman actually wrote okay. um, with... Um, Paul and Charlie, and it's called, if you don't know it, it's a Christmas special. It's called The Chimes of Midnight. Yes, and I've heard of that one. I've always meant to listen to that one. I never, never No, my it. wife and I actually listen to it every 
Christmas season. So we usually listen to it as we go out east to go visit her family in Virginia. Oh, okay. Um, But it's it's an interesting little piece where the twist is. um, And yeah, I'm going to give a spoiler here. The main villain is actually a house that's come to life. Hmm. Um, And there's this whole thing with time uh, that keeps happening uh, that it's using time to actually stay alive and feed off of people. Um, And it's a murder mystery uh, of you don't know who's killing the people off until the very end. Um, And so it's, it's, it's interesting. And because of an earlier story with Charlie where she literally should not be alive but because mm. she went with a doctor she's alive okay she cha- they changed time as a result and so there's a um a maid from charlie's uh, childhood that they run into and it basically it screws up time because of her finding or seeing charlie alive <laughs> excuse oh. me and so as a result, like there's this whole thing that happens that warps time. And so, as I said, there's a lot of like just time within the world that's played with and not just in a time travel way. So it's it's an interesting story and a lot of fun. Uh, so next, since you wanted to do the eighth doctor, I guess we will now move on yep. to the Shalka doctor. <laughs> Ah, awesome, awesome. I kid. We will go to the ninth doctor. (laughs) Do you want to come with me? Because if you do, then I should warn you. You're going to see all sorts of things. Ghosts from the past. Aliens from the future. The day the Earth died in a ball of flame. It won't be quiet, it won't be safe, and it won't be calm. But I tell you what it will be. I tell you what it will be. The trip of a lifetime. So, Doctor Number Nine, Russell. What's number one? Number one, Father's Day, my friend. Same here. This is a this is like we talk about concepts, great things. This takes that Aztec thing to a whole new level that I talked about at the beginning. But yes, go ahead. This one. No, um, this it goes it it has a, a callback to a setup from the very first episode with Rose that mm-hmm. they pay off here with the story, which is the doctor asks Rose if she wants to join him in the TARDIS and you know she says it can travel in space. She doesn't go in and he actually leaves for a second, comes back and says, Did I mention it travels in time? And when he does that. She then jumps in, mm-hmm. and that's where we get her going off onto adventures with the doctor. I bring that up because it's a big point in what happens here with Father's Day, because she she manipulates the doctor. There's no yeah. way around it. She manipulates the doctor right. into going back to see her father because he died very mm-hmm. early on in her life. And that, that to me is huge because like who wouldn't, if they had the opportunity to use time travel would not want to go see a loved one that has passed in their life. It's like 
my dad passed whenever I was going into high school. So that's this story just resonates with me in a huge way because like, I, I understand that grief. I understand why she would have that need as a human being. Yeah. And I, I, I just think that the writing is very smart and very uh, emotional and really can connect with an audience in a way that we hadn't seen before um, in the classic series because, you know, Russell T Davies was trying to get us to be more emotionally invested with Rose. And I think this exemplifies that. And I think this is a great story in that way. Yeah. And I love that this brings full force, the explanation, which would go, keep going through the series, these fixed points in times of things that have to happen and you can't change. And then to see what happens when you do try to change, which basically forces you to go back and leave it. And then the the sadness of the, I remember this woman sitting with him when he was, or to talk about this woman with him when he died and it ends up being her. Um, yeah. Which is, yeah, this is a, this is like one of the best doctor who episodes, like period. It's just so, Poignant. so good. Um, and I think it gets, tends to get over, I think people recognize this up. I feel like it got overlooked for such a long time. I'm like, this is, yeah. Agreed. Big time. Agreed. So that was, that was my number one as well. Um, uh, number two, I have the empty child because those gas mask kids. Number three, number three for me. Introduction of Captain Jack, uh, the yeah. gas mask kids. Um, this is Stephen Moffat jumping yep. in here. Um, this is just so effective. This is scary as hell. Um, and then the Doctor dances follows this with everybody. Everybody wins, Rose. Everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is. Yeah. This setup here is just. I, great <laughs> I, I i don't know what else to say just the settings the creatures the idea putting it in a war story mixing it sci-fi like the bombings and things like it's this is this is this is why the show came back so big <laughs> stuff like this so another thing that sticks out for me with in particular of this first episode of the two-parter mm-hmm. is that there's a huge social commentary and like in my script writing class to try and point this out to the kids is that there's also the whole thing that's going on with social uh, commentary of the fact that she was pregnant and had a child out yeah. of wedlock and that's right. Taking that into context for the time in world war two and what that would mean and it doesn't have as as hard hitting a meeting today as it would have then, but it was a huge statement, and it was interesting that they they brought that in and made mm-hmm. that part of it. And that's they, it was a big part of the story because of her basically denying that he is even her child, and that's the whole idea of the empty child in right. the first place. So I. I Stephen Moffat hitting it with all cylinders firing here. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I'm, I remember from a behind the scenes with him is just like the opportunity here of him being able to just say, and yes, Rose was dangling from a uh, balloon and like over the city and the bombs going off and everything. And he just, it just his glee in the fact that he had that freedom because right. they, the show had evolved to the point where the effects finally are matching yes. what they want to do as far as storytelling. 
Yeah, because it's a classic tale of like the BBC being like, what the hell is this show when you have like Sylvester McCoy, Time in the Ronnie and stuff happening when Star Trek The Next Generation's on TV. Like, right. You know, Um, my third one here is Bad Wolf because I always enjoyed incorporating the modern times into it because there's the big brother, there's the weakest link incorporated Mm -hmm. here. Um, And I think that's really fun and showing Doctor Who will stretch and join society in the pop culture times to do things. And it's kind of also got a creepy sense of like, what's really, they're separated. What's going on here? What's happening ends up being Daleks. But um, just really neat, uh, this mystery, this unease of like, it's all happy-go-lucky, it's fun, I recognize this stuff, it's neat to see them into it, and using that as a concept, and I, uh, yeah, I think that's a really, really cool one before the finale, which the finale is good too, but I I like this, this setup and these, like, them trapped in each a different reality show. Yeah, and I love you got Simon Pegg too, and like you, so like we don't know what's going on yet. No, that's that's the, that's um that's earlier the Simon Pegg. I know, but like, oh oh, uh, oh yeah yeah yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. as far as like the build up to here and like right, talking right, about yeah, the yeah, reveal okay. of the dialects and like there's even the fact that like they have a false setup as far as or a red herring about the fact that there is this thing on the ceiling. And at first everybody thinks oh, yeah. that's the big bad. Yes. 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 Sorry. Yeah. I get you. Okay. Okay. Sorry. And that's why I was going there. That's gotcha. Okay. It, it was just, an, it was cool how they did that to set up. Oh, it's mm-hmm. the dialects. Because like, instead of it just being on the nose of, Oh, the dialects are the big bad. They did this whole thing to build it mm-hmm. up and they did it in a superb way. Right. All right, what do you have? Uh, my number two, my number two is dialect, my friend. Oh yeah, yes, absolutely. It's good. Robert Shearman, um, and this one is, again, the writing is sublime. Um, the idea of there being a lone surviving dialect from the Time War, and then just how the the dialect talks to the doctor and the doctor reacting to it uh, in a way that's almost um i would say uh like he's going through some sort of post-traumatic uh stress as Mm -hmm. far as from the war itself and like he actually is reacting in a way that is more like a dialect and that's a huge reversal Mm -hmm. and it was really really cool and and rose being the heart there and trying to actually empathize with, with the dialect and just not knowing the history. And then of course all hell breaks loose and the dialect goes on a rampage right. and we get classic dialect mayhem. Of course. Uh, it's delicious. Um, <laughs> so uh, the, uh, the uh, doctor who magazine says uh, number one is the empty child and the doctor dances. They count it as one story. Uh, number two, Bad Wolf, Parting Away. Number three is Dalek. And number four is Father's Day. So we were right uh, up to snuff with, with them. Um, there we go. Uh, we move on to still in the RTD1 era with the 10th Doctor. Yes, yes. <laughs> you have no way of resisting. Well, you got me there. Although, there is always this. A sonic probe? That screwdriver. 
It is harmless. Oh, yes. Harmless is just the word. That's why I like it. Doesn't kill, doesn't wound, doesn't maim. But I'll tell you what it does do. It is very good at opening doors. Uh, which I have picked for number one here. I have, uh, from the, the specials, I have Waters of Mars. Ooh. Just, that's a good one. It's creepy. It's yeah. the doctor in a weird place where he's, I can save. He's, been, he's you know, he's failed Donna Noble. He's in this place of, he's been going through this journey by himself. And it's, it's a thing where, you know, it's got a great, great monster, great concept. Gemma Chan in Doctor Who. I love seeing these stars before. Because um, Daniel Kalua is in the one, uh, one of the specials leading up to this as well. Um, and it's a space station. He knows they're all going to die there. Yeah. Goes against his, says I should leave. Goes against his own thing and decides to stay and help and then save some of them. And feels like oh no history would be the same but i did you know he's all and then you know the the end the the woman who is the big difference maker to uh, uh, you're not gonna do that and then takes herself out like it is this is this is big this is heavy stuff here in doctor who right before the end of the tenant era because it's followed by the end of time two-parter where's the david Tennant regeneration story but yeah this is this has got everything got the horror sci-fi sci-fi concepts character stuff with the doctor um am i right in thinking and sorry brandon but is this also the one because it's been a while where david Tennant has that big monologue about him having the right and and the power to do like he goes on the tirade and she's like no don't yeah yeah yeah, very undoctory yeah yep yep thank you Yep, yep that's yeah yep no nope. waters of mars yeah the uh the specials were this was the one of the specials yeah. in my opinion yeah. um that, I, I would concur he probably should have gone out and uh what journeys in but we got this so <laughs> uh here we are so what's your number one well i'm just gonna say this up front and this was not not on purpose but all three of my picks are Stephen moffat stories so just know yeah. that up and like my number one and again like i use this i use this story all the friggin time in my screenwriting class is blink that's my number two it's my number one like and it's i honestly think that it's one of the best entry points for anybody that's never seen the show before exactly it's like yeah it's like i said like there's these episodes throughout the history of doctor who it's like you might not even just just watch this one just watch this thing yeah yep and who, um, who'd have thought they would make a villain as iconic as the Daleks, the Cybermen, and the Weeping Angels? Just and that's that's the thing, man. Is like Stephen Moffat, like he just gets it as far as like he's able to key into like rudimentary mm-hmm. fears that we all have, and like we've always we've all seen those statues on buildings or yeah. whatever else, and like. Yes, they are creepy. We don't really ever talk about how creepy they are, but they're creepy. Right. And so, like, to use that and turn it into a thing where, like, they can move if you blink when you're not looking Mm -hmm. at them, it's brilliant. Yeah. And, like, everything also that they're dealing with, again, it's it's also an interesting way of dealing with time without time travel. Um, 
because of them actually feeding off of a person's life as far as their time energy and then sending them into a different point that's not their time. Um, it's just an interesting concept. And like then just some of the things that happen, like there there's the cop that like Sally runs into and they do a really good job of like setting him up and making him charming. And then he gets whooshed back into the past. Mm-hmm. And then we, next thing we see is him and Sally in, in the hospital and he's dying. And it, it just, it's, it's brilliant because like we actually, the way they set up the scene before we care, we were invested in that character and it's so quick. It's done so well. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, Blink, there, there's nothing. Yeah, you get Carrie Mulligan, folks, um, and this just works on its own. It's one of the Dr. Light episodes that they started yeah. doing, uh, which I, I'm a fan of a lot of those <laughs> for some reason, but um, this one just, yeah, it, it hit. Like, this was like, and this was when I felt like, I remember when this aired, in, in America, because we got them later. I'm watching it, and I was like, this is like the greatest thing I saw on TV this year, and nobody else is watching it with me. That's how I felt. I'm like, this is like one of the best things I've ever seen on TV, and people aren't watching. Kind of odd. Uh, my my third pick's an oddball one. Okay. But I like it. It's Tooth and Claw. Oh, Tooth and Claw is fun. Yeah. Because it's a werewolf. It's werewolf. It sets up Torchwood, um, but it's yep. not like it's not like the whole episode's all about just setting up something. It's an extra. It's kind of a thing towards the end. But I like this. It's another just jump in and have fun with it. Story in a house, like a lot of good horror stuff in here. Um, so I wanted to go to bat for Tooth and Claw. There's a lot of ones that maybe I like better mm. tomorrow or stuff like that. But I, I, I like to hold this one up high because I, I, I definitely like the werewolf aspect of it, and it's just like. Because Doctor Who can be anything, um, and that week it was a werewolf story stuck in a house with assassination attempts and all sorts of stuff going on, and uh, it's politicking, and then the the end with the the promise to get you Doctor Who and um, <laughs> stuff like that. So I, I I do like I do like Tooth, Tooth and Claw. No, Tooth and Claw is great, man. I'm I'm. It didn't make my list, but I'm there with you, and uh, I love the monster in that, and the the way that they twist it, and mm-hmm. it's not just a typical werewolf; it's actually an alien. So yeah. they they did a good job of handling that and giving it a twist. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I, I'm there with you, man. What's your do? You, did you have a last one here? Well, I we actually got two, man. Two more. Oh, two more. Oh, I already went through my okay. <laughs> oh, because uh, I had Blink as well. So yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I've got uh, the girl in the fireplace, of course. Yeah, and yeah, with uh, Lady uh, Madame Pomp- Pompadour, um, mm-hmm. and that that story was just also interesting because we got the Doctor falling in love with another character outside of Rose, and um, it it's just interesting how, and it was done in a single episode. Again, we're dealing with time travel. We've got these really cool monsters, the clockwork men that are from the ship. Mm-hmm. And that that payoff at the very, very, very end. And it's just a subtle thing where you get the shot of the ship 
and you see that the ship was named after her and that's right. why they were going after her because they needed the heart of the ship to be able to actually try and restore the ship to be able to keep moving so it again it's just clever writing so i i, I love it there's um, a there's a moment i always love in in the girl in the fireplace and it's when um, cause when it's Mickey has joined the TARDIS crew and it's Mickey and Rose and they're talking about the girl being like some sort of like secret side woman for a prince or sub and they look at each other and go, Camilla. I, I love that part <laughs> where they do that. That's what you're me. So what's your, what's your last one for number 10? Last one, man, is again, for me, this one's a big one is silence in the library because we got, that was River almost, Song. that was right there with my, up there with mine. Yeah. Yeah, we get River Song, and like I love the reversal of like that she like her whole life has been backwards, so it's the first time he's meeting her, but what? it's the last time. Great, she's... it's a Moffat concept. He's brilliant at that stuff. Like, it's yeah, just... he's like, I'm taking I... over the show next year. She's gonna be a part. Of the... <laughs> yeah, he's already no, started. And... <laughs> and the other, the other thing is, this is another example of him, like just like hitting the head on like a basic fear that we have with the shadows with the vast yeah. and like that idea and playing off of basic fears is just amazing in how like then you have the creepy uh the remnants of people in their spacesuits with a skull and that light there as they're moving and creeping along trying to catch up with them and like their last phrase that they mm-hmm. say as they died is repeated. It's again, I just, I really, really enjoyed that show. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, yeah, that's Moffat just <laughs> nailing it. So, okay. Uh, Dr. Who magazine tells us that blink is number one. Science of the Library finished number three, uh, Waters of Mars six, Girls in the Fireplace seven, and all the way down at number 24 is Tooth and Claw. So Fear Her was the, that's that's low-hanging fruit. That one yeah. always is, yeah. is um, <laughs> always is there. Okay, so now we move on to Matt Smith, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. era of the 11th Doctor. They're not doors, they're walls. Walls that look like doors. Door walls, if you like, or dwalls. Walls, even, though you probably got it when you said they're not doors. I mean, the windows are... Right. Big day if you're a fan of walls. This this era, like, I, like I've told you before, I think this, when it comes to uh, cast, I this season five and six cast is one of my favorites of... Uh, group of the Amy Rory with Amy Rory 11th doctor. Um, and Matt Smith was a real surprise because he was coming after David Tennant. And I'm sure this is like the Peter Davison in in the eighties. Like where we pass or maybe Pertwee to Baker, you know, like where are we going now? And I was surprised. Rumor has it and not confirmed that like Capaldi was running. Yeah. Right. Yep. Capaldi was already in the running. Um, so yeah, uh, 11th Doctor, uh, where you start at with that, Russell? Uh, with the 11th, I start with Vincent and the Doctor, my friend. Very good, very good. Tearjerker. That, yeah, that's a tearjerker. And honestly, Van Gogh is one of my favorite painters. So like uh, that twist at the end. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm skipping there. But like 
where the doctor actually brings him forward in time so he gets to see mm-hmm. his artwork valued that that just hits hard yeah. and like you, you get to see that and just the writing there and that was um i can't think of the writer's name but it was the guy who did black adder he just does amazing mm-hmm. work with it and like the 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 whole thing of of seeing vincent uh how tortured he was and how like um he had to deal with whatever mental illnesses he was dealing with at the time mm-hmm. um they handled it very tactfully and um they made him real and believable and then you had amy and the doctor trying to help him and him not knowing how to actually engage with them at first and like then finally realizing oh they can see this thing too he's not mad and so that it's just it's just a good twist and then as i said then the ending where he where he's validated it was just a nice little 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 piece very true i i agree um my my number one I don't know that there's a better start than the 11th hour for a doctor. Like this is magical fairy tale prisoner zero. It, it just, I I don't know. This one works. The Matt Smith and the young Amy pond doing the uh, fish fingers and custard, uh, the crack in the wall being planted there. Uh, his, him finding himself and giving the speech at the end, uh, the time thing where it wanders around, like everything's like this is a hell of a start. Like there was so much on the table, like so much at risk with Tenet leaving and following. Like were people still going to watch this show? And they had this incredible episode to kick off and be like, "No, it's going to be okay, <laughs> like yep. beyond okay." Yep. Um, granted, we should know that. Like the guy who wrote all our favorite David Tenet episodes is in control now, but. This was a heck of a launch, and that's why I, I gotta have that there. And it's weird that it's not that it's not that like oh it never got any better from here. It's number one, but it's just such an incredible start. Maybe my I don't know. There's a lot of good first doctor doctors first episodes, but this might be it for me uh, personally. Seeing a doctor launch, but yeah, so. What you got, number two? Number two, um, I will preface that I have, it is, like, it is a two-part, but, like, I That's really fine. am just saying for the number one on the, the first episode, it's Hungry Earth and Cold Blood, but Hungry Earth for me in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, again, it's more of a personal reason. It's a story about a kid that's a dyslexic, and since I am dyslexic, mm-hmm. it just, again, it hit home. But on top of that, hey, we've got the Solorians back. Yeah. And like you, man, I am a huge fan of the Solorians and Sea Devils. And I just thought they handled them very, very well right. the way that they brought them back. Um you got a redesign on the, the Solorians, too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was also interesting as far as how they portrayed the society when we went underground and did see them as mm-hmm. far as in cold blood. Um so it was just, it was, as you said, it was a good, 
redesign and good evolution of the characters to bring them mm-hmm. forward into the new era. Right, yeah. And one thing I like, like Moffat was like, he was bringing stuff back, deep cuts yeah. and all sorts of stuff. And one thing I like about, uh, there's a there's a little bit of an approach that he does sometimes with the, like, it takes like a comic book approach to Doctor Who sometimes, where like, you'll have these quick montages of hitting it up with like the Daleks or like this real quick, but it's not a whole episode of them, but like, there's a stop by. Like, I think it happens in Capaldi a little bit more, but... Um, Sometimes the Matt Smith era, but it feels like there's a little bit of comic book nature to some of his storytelling that happens uh, with it as well. Um, my number two, another another season start, The Impossible Astronaut, because oh, what a hook. What yeah. a hook for a season. Like yeah. the doctor dead, they're watching him dead, like inviting them all, like all that. I Like I could watch the episode on like loop and still like, I know it's coming, but I'm still like, oh, you know, how's it go? Like, I and Rivers there, like, is such high stakes. Um, this is the season that introduced, like, the silence, like, all that, like, it is. Right. And this is the, the season that was, like, going big on selling Doctor Who in America, too. Like, so we start in the United States, but uh, we have, what, Richard Nixon making a cameo, like, it, <laughs> but this was, and the, the Stetson, everything, yeah, it's... This is big. Stetsons are cool. Yeah, Stetsons are cool. So Stephen Moffat <laughs> sure launched seasons like right, right here. So uh, that's why Impossible Astronaut and the creepy astronaut stuff in there. Like, oh, yeah. And you, and you get the whole scene like, what is it going to be? This is a heavily, they have been serialized seasons as a whole, but never, like this was heavy. Like this was X-Files, like hit the mythology, hit the mythology, like, you know, through there with that. And this one had a great mid-season, holy crap. Uh, where the good man goes to war. Um, yeah. Was the, yep. What? I remember that being a big, that didn't make my thing, but there we are. So what's your number three? Or is it number, number two? Th- or number two? Are you no, this is number three now, man. Three, okay. You're good. You're good. Um, we're on to one of the Christmas specials. Um, this one is just stuck with me, but uh, Stephen Moffat's A Christmas Carol. and It's my favorite Doctor Who Christmas special yeah that that one like even over like uh the what is it the the wardrobe one like i just this one like i they did a really clever retelling of a Mm -hmm. christmas carol and again it's good use of time travel and like trying to actually get the Scrooge character character to be human and learn to actually love and accept and the twist as far as the fact that the doctor actually unintentionally ends up creating the heartache for him yeah by yeah so it it it's it's a poignant piece and i i i just think it holds up yep oh yeah the, i watch this one every year <laughs> and <laughs> and uh fun note uh doctor uh doctor uh popcon did a did a video for uh, YouTube and reels and all that stuff of uh, top uh, geekiest Christmas episodes of all time and they yeah. they asked me what Doctor Who one to put in there and I wrote the Doctor Who portion of it um, <laughs> and I picked the, I picked this one and then cool. I also I also made a Feast of Stephen reference in it that I went yeah <laughs> and 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 had them add in the clip uh, from the loose canon recon of William Hartnell addressing the camera. Awesome. So I, awesome. I, I was like, I want people to know I know my stuff. So <laughs> I went like that. 
And I'm going to go with this one, and it's probably recency bias for my number three, The Name of the Doctor. This mm-hmm. one sets up the big 50th anniversary yeah. and also like just has these stakes. The great intelligence comes back. Um, you get the uh, uh, stacks of uh, the... Part, was it the... What was it? The gang. Um, you get River, who's yeah, already... I- huh? I, I'm trying to think of the name of the the it starts with a P. Parter Norster Gang. Yeah, Oh, big fans here, guys. Uh, Paternoster Gang, I think maybe. So they go to that planet where the Doctor's buried, um, and then like you see like the dying TARDIS that keeps growing. There's a lot mm-hmm. of cool visuals and stuff, and then you find uh, Clara like jumps in the time street and visiting all the doctors. You discover the war doctor at the end. And it's just a lot of cool sitting in a room talking stuff that happens that I like. Um, a lot of swift plays like river songs, like a ghost to Clara. And then you find out the doctor heard her the whole time. <laughs> like it's, right. it's so, so cool. And then there's the part where the doctor gets pulled out and people forget things uh, like Stax tries to kill. Uh, again, because they forgot their friends because the doctor never was in their life. Like, it's a really cool thing. And it feels like Moffat didn't, he was like saving money for the 50th, but like had this limited thing and made this really cool damn episode out of it. Um, and good stuff with Clara as well. Um, so, yeah, I love the name of the doctor, probably because I just watched it recently because <laughs> I'm going through the 50th anniversary stuff. So, um, I was like, yeah, so that's probably why. Uh, what did Doctor Who magazine say? They tell us that the day of the Doctor is number one, of course. Uh, Vincent the Doctor, number two. 11th, uh, 11th hour, number three. The possible astronaut is number seven. Cool. Uh, Christmas Carol is number eight. Name of the Doctor is number 12. And did you have an, what was your? Hungry uh, Earth. Hungry Earth. Is number twenty seven. Woo, that's mm, that's a good one. That's way too low for that one. Oh, okay. That is. Uh, <laughs> cheese <yeah>. stands alone. <laughs> I guess I, I'm standing with the cheese. All right, now we're gonna get a little bit older. Our only Oscar winning doctor. Peter Capaldi. Peter Capaldi. There we go. Here he is, introduced to Dave the Doctor. I can do. You've read the stories. You know who I am. And in all of that time, did you ever hear anything about anyone who stopped me? I know the doctor. The doctor. The doctor is no longer here. You are stuck with me. And I will end you and everything you love. I'm going to be boring with my first pick. Heaven Sent, which is now the, be- was the, the, the best Doctor Who story of all time, <laughs> according to this poll uh, that we had. Uh, but it's all, and it's just the Doctor. It's Rachel Talley who comes in every season for Capaldi and crushes a two part finale. Like yep. that's what she does. Yeah. Uh, and, and I don't blame yes, her that for That was cy- my number one, too. I don't blame her for the Cyber Brig. Um, but no. Uh, yeah. That the doctor lives for thousands more years. Like this is a very cool, very awesome concept. Heck, like you can tell, like Rachel Talalay's experience in Nightmare on Elm Street comes into full play here. Imagining this one, and it is great. Like there's, I don't know why, but like Capaldi season. Say what you will about them. I've enjoyed them. When I've gone back to it, 
I enjoyed it more than when I was like living it for some reason. But every every season with Capaldi, no matter how I felt, when we got to the finale, it was on. Yep. It was on. And I'll give you Talalay Moffat too, but Talalay really delivered directorially. And she's back for the 60th anniversary, so I'm very excited to see what she does here. So, yeah. So we have as a number two, Time Heist. This is one of those jump-in, oh, fun yeah. stuff episodes. Uh, this is a heist one. People have their memories. They like, don't know what's going on. You do this or whatever. Space heist stuff. Different kinds of character type, stereotype personalities going on. Really cool. I like Time Heist quite a bit. This one hooks me right away. Um, so, yeah. What do you got going on number two? Uh, number two is The Doctor Falls. Again, no surprise. <laughs> And we got another Cyberman story. We got yeah, Masters, uh, Masters, you know, Missy and the Master, John Sim back. Um, and complete Mondasian Cyberman. Mondasian yeah. Cyberman, oh, yeah. Yes, Mondas, yes. And that, that was like, that was brilliant. And the horror of what happens to Bill Potts. Like, just yep, like, oh, yep, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good yep. stuff. That, yeah. So, number That's three for you. Number three for me, ah, you went Christmas last time. I'm going last Christmas this time because <laughs> I like this is number two Christmas one for me, but I like this one because this one plays clever on you with like, this is kind of like, oh, it is supposed to be like the alien stuff. Like, this is like alien. And like, oh, whoa, this is really like supposed to be like alien. Um, <laughs> and Nick Frost being a prick yeah, Santa Nick Claus Frost. is fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, this mental thing, like, are we in reality and stuff? The idea of like, Oh crap! They're really gonna. This is where Jenna Coleman goes. I thought she was staying, but then she was gonna go, and they rewrote. Like, yeah, supposed to go. There's a weird behind the scenes thing with this one, but it's still. I still played with me as I was watching it when it was live. But um, yeah, this is one of the mind messing with you episodes for me. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Hearts, (laughs) I gave you my hearts too. So all right, where are you at with number? Three. Number three, uh, Eaters of Light, my friend. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, get into the history a little bit with the disappearance of that Roman uh, regiment. And then it's just fun um, as far as what's going on with the characters there um, and them trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, the dragon like creature that's coming through the rift. Um, Again, it's just a fun historical story, and so it's high on my list. Awesome, awesome. Uh, yeah, uh, Peter Capaldi has some bangers in the era. Um, definitely uh, more apparent. People like him because he's more like a classic doctor. Is the the whole thing? Um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so people vote. They uh, Doctor Magazine. They like World Enough in Time slash Doctor Falls. Oh, well, that's weird because it didn't finish. It finishes first on the overall stories poll, but Heaven Sent is number two on the Peter Capaldi. Um, huh. Weird. And then we have, let's see. Man, some of ours are not favorites. 19, <laughs> 19 is Last Christmas. Fair. Okay. Time Heist is number 20. That is a good one, though. Eaters of Light, number 30. Uh, wow dr falls dr F- oh that was up at the top okay Th- cool. that was with uh yeah they they put it as a one story with world enough in time 
Fair enough. So there we are. And now we come to the most recent era, the 13th Doctor, the Chris Chibnall era, uh, mm-hmm. Jodie Whittaker, and, well, just get this purple screen up here. <laughs> oh, before we go, real quick, just comment on that uh, background right now. Oh, yeah. I was going to say that uh, it, it, there's a cool story, if, the, if people listening don't know this, that a fan had actually gone ahead and created a a swirling clock oh yeah uh version of the vortex and it was on youtube and because they saw that the production team saw it and thought it was really cool they then hired him and that's how that background actually started for that season or for capaldi there you go now we have this one <clears throat> all right jody whitaker 13th doctor a wise person once said to me, goodbyes only hurt because what came before was so special. Oh, and it's been so special. You and Graham and Ryan and Dan. Nobody else got to be us. Nobody else got to live our days. Nobody. Here we go. Our last round. <laughs> I will give you a spoiler. Yes. My my three favorite stories of the 14th Doctor are the Star Beast, Wild Blue Yonder, and the Giggle. Just <laughs> Those are my top three. All right. Uh, in no particular order. Uh, in no particular order. All right. Yeah. So what do you have first for the 13th Doctor? Again, it's going to be no surprise at this point because I go with historicals. Rosa, man. All right. Rosa again. Rise up. It, well, and this is one where, like, it's not just, yes, it's an American story, but, like, I really like what they did as far as uh, working in with the what was going on with Black history mm-hmm. and civil rights. And, like, they handled it in a really delicate fashion. They involved our main cast um both um yeah they challenge those characters too like yeah graham gets like he does hey, like you need to be racist right now but we have to make yeah. this happen like it's it's yeah not the easiest watch but a lot of people like in the uk don't know the rosa parks thing too that was like learning you know there's a lot of and younger people like i i was listening to something recently where like that's not to us in america it's like oh yeah yeah rosa parks but over there not Right. That is commonly known. So, and there's a lot. I will give. I want to give Chris Chibnall credit. There's a lot of historical figures that I had no clue about that he introduced me to through his show. Which that's what Doctor Who is supposed to do. Yeah, um, he was giving it to the like the lesson, like the pirate that appears in the the Legend of the Sea Devils. Like that's a real person. I didn't know. So yeah, I'm gonna go historical kind of. Yeah, my favorite one that I absolutely love is The Haunting of Villa Diodati with Mary Shelley. This is my mind robber stuff, historical stuff, monster stuff. Yep. Cause yep. It's where, and a romp a bit, but then that lone Cyberman comes in. It's another Cyberman story, man. It is. <laughs> but boy, did he make Cyberman scary again. Oh, yeah, he did. And there's a part where you're like, is he going to kill a baby? Yeah. Is he going to kill a baby? Like, it, it, and there's a... There's... You know, some challenges to characters, hard decisions made, and this thing just cooks. Like, this is a masterpiece. It's intense. 
I it's intense. This is awesome. So that's my favorite Jody Whitaker one. Uh, what's your number two? Uh, number two is <clears throat> Village of the Angels. Man, that's my number two as well. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it is so good. It's so good. And that fucking twist at the end where like they turn her into an angel. Yeah. Like, I was like, where is it going from this? Yeah, not far, but <laughs> <laughs> it's a great cliffhanger. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. The, and they have the, they introduce us to uh, the, what's his name? The character that ends up going with Yaz and Dan on their adventures. Jer- Jericho. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. awesome. Um, and this, it's an intense story. It's one of the it best is. angel stories too. Yeah. This is yeah. to be right, right up there. Like, yeah, that's it. And not it, even a Moffat story is, uh, I don't know the writer's name yeah. and I apologize if sh- they listen. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, uh, it's the only writer that isn't Chris Chibnall, uh, attributed to this season. Um, and yeah. I forget what other story she was with. I think she was Villa Diodati. I think that, that might have been, uh, what she was with. But yeah, that's a hell of a story. My third, I have Spyfall Part One. It edged out Demons of the Punjab, which I want to mention because that's a great historical. But it Spyfall is. Part One got me stoked for that season. Uh, and I know Future of the Jadoon is a popular one in there, but this kicked off and running, especially. So Jody's first season. I think has a lot of great, uh, like terrific individual episodes, but as a season, there's nothing gluing us. And at the end of it, with that battle of ranks, that was probably the worst episode of that season for me and left me nothing wanting to come back. And then there's this Dalek story that happened for a special, but like Mm -hmm. that season was like a whole lot of, what does this add up to? And I wasn't excited to come back for Doctor Who again, even though I like some of the like. And I go back to season one or season eleven, and I'm like, "Oh, Witchfinders is good. Yeah, takes you away. No, is good. Right. I like it. Takes you away. Like Rose is good. Punjab. Like, what's my problem? It just didn't all like. It was just all like one offs. And but when that's Spy- the problem. But when Spyfall hit, and it had that cliffhanger in the plane. The, oh, it's the master. Yeah. Like, what is all? I was just. And that one hit the ground running. It had big budget like stuff with Doctor Who. There were car chases, motorcycle chases. It was globe trotting like James Bond. There was like mm-hmm. Stephen Fry showed up and got shot out of nowhere. Like that was some fun stuff. I was on a ride and I was <laughs> hugely on board. And I'm a big fan of that second season of Jodie Whittaker's. Um, I had a blast going through it and Spyfall kicks it off so well. So that's why I decided to go with, because of my personal excitement factor. I even have a shirt from Spyfall because of, oh, wow. yeah, it's my, uh, how to, how to land a plane without a cockpit. That's the card. Um, but yeah, I, that's, that's why I went with Spyfall for my third pick. My third is, and you said it earlier, legend of the sea devils, my friend. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and um, one, again, it's historical, so you get an actual pirate that was a real historical figure, but then Mm -hmm. I I think it was, again, another good handling of bringing back a classic character or Mm -hmm. characters, and like this, also this rogue sea devil that is the leader of them is really a a rock-solid, ha-ha, (laughs) fun character. Yes, I went there. 
uh, fun character as far as that they develop. And then um, there's just a lot as far as them going uh, from the island and then to the ship and dealing with the Sea Devils technology and stuff that they have to undertake. And I also, like, you were talking about the redesign with the Salorians. This one, it was interesting because the redesign, it definitely has a redesign, but, like, it still feels more like the classic Very uh, Sea Devils. Yeah. They but, just like, added a blink. It blinks now. Yeah. Well, yeah, but, like, yeah. Uh, not, not to knock the original Sea Devils, like, the prosthetics, as far as the new stuff, it looks so much better. It oh, looks yeah. like it could have been like a real creature of some sort. Right, right, and it feels the scale wise feels quite big and fun. Organic, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's some swashbuckling stuff, and I learned about that pirate yeah. woman that in this one that I never. It was a real person. Um, yeah, but yeah, um, and this one that see uh, that one was supposed to be a part of Flux. That was a removed story that they couldn't figure out from Flux, and then when the BBC was like, hey, could you do one for the Centennial? They were like, okay, so we, <laughs> we got an extra story. Let's make something out of that flux one we couldn't do with the Sea Devils. So, And then I, I, I heard somewhere that that was just a pirate story at one point, and then they added the Sea Devils later. Interesting. So, so very, very interesting. So we did it. We did it. We did. Three hours <laughs> of Doctor Who suggestions and stuff. So what... So we'll wrap this up, but let us know what one surprised you that we mentioned. Um, I hope you've enjoyed sure. it too. And enjoyed it. What ones are you like, eh, maybe I'll check that out again. And none of them were wrong because we're both right. Uh, so, <laughs> so Russell, thank you very much for joining me for this extensive look back at 60 years of our favorites of Doctor Who. Thank you for having me, All my right. friend. Uh-huh. Anytime. Anytime, any place. More Doctor Who. We're gonna bottom three Doctor Who's next week on the Brandon Peter. No, uh, I don't <laughs> like doing that. I don't. Oh, Jody Whittaker's stories that people uh, voted. Power of the Doctor. Oh, yeah. Power of the Doctor was number one. The Haunting of Villa Diodati is number two. They put Flux as one story at number twelve. Okay. Uh, Rosa was number four. Spyfall was number six. Legend of the Sea Devils number twenty-two. Um. Uh, so I mentioned Punjab that was number five and the, the least liked one of hers was Orphan 55 so there we are that was the Jodie Whittaker era and we head on to David Tennant returning as Doctor number 14 uh, as of this airing comes this weekend but be sure to watch the Colorized Daleks if you are in the UK uh, Russell where can people keep up with you uh, you can find me through indianapublicmedia.org or through bigfinishproductions.com. Uh, uh, and if you just search my name there, you'll be able to find all the stories I've worked on uh, for Big Finish. And last but not least, I also want to plug starrynightproductions.com. Um, we also have been doing audio stories on our own independently now and uh, just did the wonderful wizard of Oz as a co-production and have done. All right. We've already won nine communicator awards with that production. So, you know, check it out. If you can, the first episode is actually been released through soundbooth.com soundbooththeater.com. 
And uh, again, uh, thank you for having me, Brandon. Mm-hmm. Thanks for being game to do this one. <laughs> very, very fun time here. So there we go. Back. <laughs> um, all right. So I'm on the socials at Brandon4KUHD. You can find all things podcast stage and awards at popcon.us. Next week begins a new series with Scott Mendelson and myself as we kick off Farewell DCEU and uh, heading towards Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Scott and I will be looking back at what we assume will be the end of a certain run of DC Comics movies uh, with us kicking off, and we will have special guests that will appear in the following weeks. So, until then, stay film positive. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Olsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetersshow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetersshow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.